sure need to hear a lot more preaching on the subject matter of hell in the day and age in which we live. Not enough of it preached, and of course we don't just preach it, it's as the Lord leads, but it is obvious that God had his hand and directed Brother Barnes to that message tonight. Um, at Rock of Ages, I'd just like to encourage you, we have a prayer list we pray for <clears throat> every single day. We meet for about 15, 20 minutes of prayer, then we'll have about a 15-minute devotion every single day at the office. If I'm not in, somebody else will step in and do that. And we have a list on there for salvation. And um, every single year, the Lord has answered prayer, and we've been able to remove people off the list Amen. for salvation and move them into the list that needs Amen. discipleship. And this year already, God's allowed us to move forth the salvation list and, and to discipleship. And so uh, we're continuing to pray for Brother Free. did our devotions at the ministry, I suppose, a year and a half or so ago. And we put his grandparents on the list and pray for every single day, Monday through Friday. And then Mrs. Ellis has a heavy burden for uh, her sister that should be saved. She's rejected the gospel on numerous occasions. And so I'd ask you to pray for her. Her name is Carol. And then her brother, she's been witnessing to him. He's made a false profession of faith for many years. Uh, she's on her way to the ministry recently, and the Holy Spirit of God impressed on her heart to turn around and go back and talk to him. And uh, so she was able to talk to him, and um, he finally admitted that he was lost and needed the Lord. Yes. So she gave him a plan of salvation, told him how he could be saved, and just recently made contact with him, and he told her, said, I... Got saved and gave my life to the Lord. And so don't give up on your loved ones. I've known of people that's prayed for 30 plus years. And uh, some of them that got saved right before they passed. Uh, the ones that is praying for them right before they uh, passed on to glory. God allowed them to see their loved ones saved and uh, trust the Lord. I could keep you here for several hours telling you the great things that God's done. And working in the hearts and the lives of uh, people. I want to just say tonight how I love our church. I suppose you'd have to be on the road to traveling, going in and out of churches and meeting various uh, people. I thank God that we still have some great churches in America. Amen. I don't want to be all doom and gloom. We have some great churches, Amen. phenomenal churches, churches where they are sound in doctrine. Um, they are separated and sanctified into the Lord. They don't mind worshiping God. We've got some great churches. But I'll say this, and I've been in, I don't say this to pat myself on the back, God forbid, but I've been in over a thousand churches in my 37 years as a missionary. And there is none greater than Bible Baptist Church of Rossville, Georgia. Amen. And so I'm grateful. I love our pastor. I love Miss Nalita. I love the entire family. And the church music. I don't go in churches that sing contemporary music, but I go in churches every now and then that have been conservative that start moving toward contemporary music. And uh, you can't beat the music we have here at the church either. I'm grateful for the choir. I'm grateful for the basket that you gave to us. Uh, what a blessing it was. I'll agree with Brother Cottle. You just keep digging, trying to find the bottom of that thing. It is the bottomless pit in a good way. And uh, it's wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, the missions, allowing us to be able to represent you on the mission field. And I know that many of you sacrificially give to the missions of the church, and we do not take that for granted. Amen. We appreciate all the missionaries, not just the ones out of our church, but the ones that are here. And uh, the missionaries as we meet all over the world. And we have an opportunity to be able to raise funds for uh, missionaries, and not just Rock of Ages. And I'll not get into that aspect of it, but I'm grateful for missionaries that have sacrificed, rendered to serve the Lord.
And I'm grateful tonight for the Rains family. Uh, I'm grateful for them. They have been a huge blessing uh, to Mrs. Ellis and I, the Rock of Ages, and I know our church. Thank you for uh, helping us to be able to represent you on the field. Now, I want to ask you tonight, and I'm getting ready to go into my text, and by the grace of God, I'll not be long. <clears throat> but I want to ask you if you would please pray about the meeting that we have coming up. We mentioned it just briefly the other night. But pray for us for December the 11th and 12th, the revival services at the Whitfield County Jail. And there are about 450 there. We normally would work larger facilities. Um, we don't even actually target city county jails for the most part. Uh, the King County Jail in Seattle, Washington, averages about 18 to 20,000 in it. We target that. Uh, we also target a jail down in Houston, and uh, there's an average of about 12 to 15,000 there. We have a full-time missionary working, but this is a smaller facility, about 450, but we need your help, yeah. and we want to be able to get the doors open to have a full-blown meeting, and uh, so the uh, applications and everything are back there on the back, and Ms. Terry, I'll have them at the uh, Welcome Center, and uh, they're there. Please be sure that you take one. Come go with us. I'm yeah. serious when I say we need you. If you can sing, come go with us. You say, well, I'm afraid to go to jail. Well, I want to encourage you to come. You'll enjoy it. I remember I had a friend up in Canada, and uh, they supported us for many years. And he said, Brother Ellis, I love you. I love Miss Ellis. love your family. And I'm glad Jesus died for the prisoner. But he called you to reach him and not me. And uh, so I was after him for years to go with us to prison. And I finally went into federal prison over in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, and down in that area is a federal prison in Canada. And I said to him, I said, this is a pre-processing uh, unit, only about 1,000 prisoners. And I said, nobody's in there that's doing hard time. Well, at least that's what I thought. That's what I was told, all right? And so we get in there, and we've done our orientation. I said, now, you don't ask anyone what they're in here for? Um, when we went through our orientation, gave them the reasons behind it. And so wouldn't you know what? We're getting ready to start service. And he sits down behind, beside this guy. First thing out of his mouth is, and what are you in here for? And he said, I'm in here for murder. Why would you ask? And uh, he turned pale, came to the front, sat down, and he said, I'll never go back to prison again with you. You didn't tell me the truth. But come go with us. You'll enjoy it. It'll be a great meeting, and we're excited about it. Please be sure and pick up one of those uh, flyers back there. Some of the applications to go with us will be honored to have you. I want you to turn your Bible tonight to the book of Acts chapter number 13, and I want to say thank you for the offering to help us with the paper if we print gospel tracts with all the paper that you have helped us to purchase, then that will print a little over or right out of half a million gospel tracts uh, bifold. And so thank you so much for helping the ministry with that. That material will go all over the world, and uh, we are grateful. We are excited with all the missionaries that are here tonight with Rock of Ages as well. And I'm grateful for Brother Williams. They've been a blessing. We've needed help, Brother Green, for a long time in the printing ministry. And uh, they've been an answer prayer from that perspective. And uh, so we're grateful for them and all of them, the proctors in Arizona and how the Lord's opened the doors, the Sosbys and the ministry in the public schools and the Franks up in New England. New England's one of the most needed areas in our nation for years. And I know I'm uh, talking a little bit. I'll get to my text and I won't take long once I get there. But uh, the western states were the most needed part of our nation for many years. The state of Washington, Oregon, uh, they would drop back and forth between what was, which state was number one and number two. Uh, for years, Oregon, less than 2% of its entire state population was affiliated with any church whatsoever. That included cults and false religions. Uh, Washington was less than 4%. 
But in recent years, the New England states have taken the top five most unchurched places in America and uh, top most five unchurched states. And so a tremendous need up there. And uh, we should pray for the missionaries. Love Macedonia, love Brother Sasser and all the missionaries that are here. And thank you for your service. Now in Acts chapter number 13, if you've got your Bible there, let's stand if we could for just a moment in reverence to the reading of the scriptures tonight. Notice if you would please, and I'll read just a few short verses uh, for the sake of time. Now there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers and Barnabas as Simeon, which is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrenian, Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As he ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And then let's read just the opening statement of verse number uh, four. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Yes. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. We sure thank you for your divine presence and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God as Brother Barnes preached. Lord, we would ask you for those that are sitting under the sound of our voice tonight that may have been struggling. They may be professing to be a Christian. But in their heart, the Holy Spirit of God has shown them their lost condition. Lord, I pray that you'll help them to settle it once for all. And I pray that you'll continue to bless your people, strengthen your missionaries, encourage them, I pray. And bless our church, bless our preacher. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a moment. As I said the other night, we've been studying a series. In fact, last night I split up the message on the Bible and uh, thought about finishing that out tonight. And it certainly would have been fitting with all that the Lord has done. But the Lord has laid upon our heart to preach the opening part of the series. And that is the Holy Ghost or the ministry of the Holy Ghost in missions. As I said last night, you'll see the Holy Ghost mentioned numerous times throughout the Acts of the Apostles and throughout the New Testament, but more in the Acts of the Apostles than in either book of the Bible. As we consider the matter, I want to look at three separate entities or three separate phases of the Holy Spirit's ministry in world missions and evangelization. First, I want to briefly look at the fact that he executes the call. Secondly, he empowers the endeavor. And thirdly, he engages the sinner. And so tonight, I want to look at these three very briefly. I'm grateful that you cannot go back and study uh, world missions and evangelization and look back in missions history of the church and the outreach of mission organizations and missionaries that God sent forth into the fields of the world. You cannot look back and study their lives and read their biographies without realizing almost immediately that the Holy Ghost of God had his hand all over world missions and evangelization. It is the Holy Ghost of God that initiated missions in the New Testament. It is found in our text in the book of Acts chapter number 13. In fact, if you remove the Holy Ghost of God out of world missions and evangelization in the Bible, there would be no world missions and evangelization. The same is true with the local church. The local church, uh, the ministry of it is it's the sending agency, it's the supplying agency, and it's the sanctifying agency to set the missionary aside and to send them into the fields. But tonight, let's emphasize and look on the ministry of the Holy Ghost of God. All the great movements were empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And may I say to you, there's a lot of spirits in our generation. There's doctrines of devils, there's evil spirits, there's all types of things that we see in our generation. But we certainly need more of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit of God. And we need the Holy Spirit of God to direct us and empower us in our endeavors to reach the gospel, or reach sinners with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit of God that guides the missionary and the Christian in the spreading or the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now notice in our text tonight, if you would with me please, and notice in missions always starts with the local church. And as we consider this text, we find that the Holy Spirit of God visited the church that was at Antioch. Now, I believe I've made this statement here before, and I don't want to be overly redundant, but I feel I must put this right here and make this statement. And that is, I know in church history, and I've read volumes on church history, there's a lot of the churches, Ephesus and others, that you can find uh, the impact of the ministry. You can find, to some degree, uh, the outreach of those ministries and the association of those ministries. But here at the church at Antioch, though there is a lot of historical records concerning the impact and the outreach of the ministry, there's nowhere that I have found that gives any definition as to the size of the membership of the church body there at Antioch. But we do know this, that when the Holy Spirit of God visited the church at Antioch, he was looking for very specific things, a very specific qualifications in the life of individuals in that church that would qualify that he could call into world missions and evangelization. He found five, and the Bible lists those in our text. And out of those five, there were two that were chosen that met the qualifications that God was looking for, and he used the Holy Ghost of God, and the Holy Ghost of God began to move in the church and call these men into world missions. And so we find that in the Scripture, the Bible says in verse number 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, watch this, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And so here we find the Holy Ghost of God has executed the call of missions. He has implemented it. He has found the men that God wants to serve in world missions and evangelization. And they are going to relinquish their responsibilities in the church. They're going to go out into the field and they're going to execute the call of God upon their life. They're going to get involved in world missions and evangelization and founding churches and soul winning and reaching centers and discipleship and fulfilling the great commission in their life. And I want to say just if I could tonight in passing, and that is that I don't know of a greater honor that God could bestow upon the church than the fact that the Holy Ghost of God would come into a church and be able to find people that qualifies for world missions or the ministry and call them out of that church body. What an honor that here at Bible Baptist Church we have multitudes that are working in evangelism and world missions and evangelization. And what an honor it is to be a part of a church, a part of a church body of Christians that love God, serve God, and the fact that God could come in, Bible Baptist Church, walk among the pew and search the heart and find men and women qualified to do the work of the ministry and fulfill the call of God in world missions and evangelization. What a great honor for a church that God would call so many out to serve Him. And I don't say that just because I'm a missionary tonight. It's true. It's Bible. 
And so we find the Holy Ghost of God separated them. And thank God in the church of Antioch, regardless of how large it was, there were at least five that God seriously considered for missions. And he called two of them. And the Bible says uh, in our text that the Holy Spirit teaches us that the Holy Spirit of God selected the missionaries for the work. And he selected them out of the church. Now, can I just say this also? The Holy Spirit sent them forth from the church. In Acts 13 and verse number 4, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I want to get a little further down on my thoughts. Uh, then the Holy Spirit guided the work. They were committed to the call. The Bible says in Acts 13 and verse 3 and verse 4 and the latter part of verse number 4, the Bible said they departed the dissolution from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And so here these men, they were committed to the call of God. May I just say to you that thank God for missionaries that are dedicated, consecrated, that are committed and sold out, dedicated to fulfilling the call of God and the will of God upon their life. That means they're willing to pay the price, whether it's at home or abroad. That means they're willing to suffer whatever consequences may come into their ministry. It may be that uh, they're in Israel and the war breaks out. It might be that they're in a prison and a riot breaks out. It might be that they are wherever they are and the challenges they face in their ministry. It is said of Hudson Taylor one night in Birmingham, uh, England, that he was scheduled to preach and a torrential downpour came and uh, some of the bridges had washed out. And uh, the, the announcement had been gone out and, and uh, the uh, partner with Hudson Taylor was there said, there's no way you're going to that meeting. He said, yes, I am. He said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no one's going to show up. It's a torrential downpour. The bridges are out. Don't tell me, Mr. Taylor, you're still going to that meeting when you know no one's going to be there. He said, let me ask you a question. When did we schedule the meeting? He said, well, we scheduled it for tonight. He said, then I'm going to be there tonight. And Mr. Taylor made his way through the storm. And he showed up at the church. And sure enough, there were 12 people that showed up. And that night he stood and preached and shared his burden. And out of those 12 that was in that meeting in that storm, us five of them went out into world missions and evangelization. And the others that stayed home became investors in the ministry of Hudson Taylor. What if he hadn't have been committed? What if he wasn't willing to pay the price? What if he wasn't willing to be dedicated and follow through with his commitment, his integrity, and do what God had called him to do? I say to you tonight, it takes commitment. And the Holy Ghost of God sent them forth. Yes. I'm reminded of a farmer who uh, went out one day on his ranch or in his farm and he looked up in the skies and the clouds formed into two alphabets, P and C. And he thought, I know what that means. That means preach Christ. So he went and uh, sold his farm, sold everything and begged his neighbors to come and hear him preach. His neighbor finally gave in and uh, went here and preached and the preacher was standing at the back of the door his farmer friend came by he said well what did you think he said well I got one question for you he said when you looked up in the sky and saw those two alphabets P and C you said it meant preach Christ he said are you sure that didn't mean plant corn <laughs> may I say to you tonight preacher and missionary don't quit 
when the devil whispers in your ear, it's no use and no good, they're not listening anyway, don't quit. When the trials are hard and the way is tough, don't quit. When the burdens are heavy and the load is more than you can carry, don't quit. When I say to you tonight that when the valleys are deep and the mountains are steep, don't quit. When the challenges of men seem to be insurmountable, don't quit. When the finances are not coming in, don't quit. When everything seems to be against you tonight, don't quit. May I say to you tonight, don't quit. When the enemy seems to encroach upon your territory that you have claimed for God's glory and his honor, don't quit. When I say to you tonight, when all the devils of hell and all of his, the demons of hell seem to be on your trail and trying to destroy your ministry and the work that you have invested in God's work and all that you have invested in the reaching of souls with the gospel of Christ, don't quit. Press on another mile. Read your Bible one more time. Pray one more time. Witness, pass out one more track one more time. Go out and do the work of God. Worship one more time. Don't quit. Go one more mile. Don't quit. Press on, child of God. Press on until the time that you hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been uh, faithful, over, uh, faithful over these things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Go until you hear those words. Well done, child of God. Don't quit. We have the promises. I believe I mentioned it last night in 2 Chronicles 15 and verse number 8. He said, be ye strong therefore and let, your hand, let not your hands be weak. Your work shall be rewarded. Press on, child of God. Don't look back. Don't let loose. Don't take your hand off the plow. Set her deep. Look straight ahead. Put blinders on your eyes and fulfill the call of God upon your life. Don't quit. Reminded of the soldier that was in the battle and after a horrific day of battle, the wounded lay dying in the field in no man's land between the two militaries lay the dead and those that were dying and wounded. And a commander came by and saw one man in the trenches and he was trembling and shaking in his boots. He said to him, he said, soldier, go get the dying. He wouldn't move and wouldn't respond. He said, I'm telling you, go get the dying. And he wouldn't go. He turned his rifle on him and said to him, he says, you'll go or I'll shoot you. He got out of the foxhole and began to crawl on his belly and found a man that was wounded on the field and drug him back to the foxhole. He went out and got another and another and another. And after a while, he was up running and he was getting one through the enemy fire and he'd grab him even at night and drag him back to safety and go out and the commander came by sometime later. He said, soldier, take a break. He said, sir, I can. And he turned and ran and got another wounded, dying soldier and brought him back. He said, soldier, I'm telling you, I'm commanding you, take a break. He looked at him, he said, sir, he said, I've heard the cry of the dying and I can't stop. And he turned and ran for another. I'll tell you tonight, if you heard the cry of the dying, if you've been in the pits of hell and heard the wail of those that are dying, as our brother Barnes preached tonight, that are going to hell and you ever hear the cry of the dying and the damned in their death, 
you'll not be able to quit. It's the Holy Ghost of God that initiated the call. He executed the call. Secondly and quickly, he is the empowerment of missions. He is the power behind the missionary's endeavor. If you remove the Holy Ghost of God out of missions, missions becomes fruitless and barren. If you remove the Holy Ghost out of the church, the church becomes fruitless and barren. Billy Sunday said of his day, he said, if the Holy Ghost of God were to withdraw from the average church of our generation, 95% of everything and all of its activities would continue going right on as if nothing happened. But he said if the Holy Ghost of God were taken from a New Testament church that was on fire for God, he said 95% of all of its activities would cease because the Holy Ghost of God had ceased. The Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost of God is the empowerment of missions. He provides the supernatural empowerment we need to go into the highways and byways and the hedges of our fields and reach sinners with the gospel of Christ. Without the efforts and the anointing and the divine presence of the Holy Spirit, there'd be no authority in missions. But I'd say to you tonight, it's not just the missionary that has this command and this call. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, and we all know it, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both meaning simultaneous in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. We find that missionaries and all believers have been given this command. It's not just the missionary that's commanded to reach souls. Every single born-again believer has the command to reach souls. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. May I say to you, you have the same Holy Spirit of God living in you, child of God, that the pastor has living in him. You have the same Holy Spirit of God and Holy Ghost of God living in you and dwelling in you as Brother Barnes has in him. You have the same Holy Spirit of God in you as every missionary and preacher and evangelist and man of God that walks in shoe leather upon this earth. And the Holy Spirit of God has commanded us to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers the message. You see, when the preacher stands tonight, it's not the words that Brother Barnes said. I've heard many messages on hell. I've preached on hell myself. In fact, I believe I've preached two times in this pulpit on that subject matter. It's not the words that put the power behind the message. It was the Holy Ghost of God. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit walking up among the pews and moving inside the heart and tugging and reaching down. And as the old preachers used to say, fingering around the heart. It is the Holy Ghost of God that takes words. And use them. I've heard a brother uh, stand and preach, and he was not eloquent of speech. He stammered and stumbled. In fact, I remember, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's been years ago, one of our missionaries, we were in a conference together, and he stood and he stammered and stumbled all over himself. 
In fact, he began to weep and he said, you know, I don't even know why I'm here. I, I just can't do this. And he began to weep and all of a sudden he began to pour his heart out. And I'm telling you, just like that, the Holy Ghost of God moved in. And before he was done, the church was weeping, the pastor was weeping, and they took him on for support. What made the difference? It wasn't his tongue. It wasn't his eloquence. It was the power and the presence and the empowerment of the blessed Holy Ghost of God. There were times in the missionary's life that God led them into persecution. And there were times in missionary's life that God led them out of persecution. Paul went into Thessalonica and he fled the city. Later he would go to Corinth and face persecution, but he stayed. You say, well, preacher, what makes the difference? Why would a missionary and the apostle Paul go to one city and face opposition and flee for his life, go to another city and stay and preach the gospel? I'll tell you what the difference is. The empowerment of the Holy Ghost of God. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit. He said in Acts 20 and verse number 22, he said, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. And he says that he didn't know the things that were awaited him. He said, say that the Holy Ghost uh, witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul said, it's just part of my life. I've accepted it as a missionary, that this is my Lord in my ministry, and I'm going bound in my spirit because it is the Holy Ghost of God that is sending me down there, and come what may, here I come. It is the Holy Ghost of God that has empowered the missionary to do his work. I remember in Uganda when we went to visit the prisons. And I told you last night about the little mud hut and the thatched roof and the dirt floors and handing the Bible to one of the prisoners or the officer's wife and children. I remember just before we got there, Brother Demers and Sister Demers went to be of the Lord last year. I'm sure, Brother Green, you guys know Brother Jeff. He's now in South Africa. But we visited with him and had just been Brother Green broken into and robbed at gunpoint. They would always do things like this, uh, the Ugandans, because they would do it when it was a torrential downpour and rain because it would muffle the sound of the gunshot. They'd broken into the house and held them at gunpoint and robbed them and looted them and took off with almost everything they owed. They took the butt of their rifle and beat her to a bloody pulp with him gagged and bound and he had to sit and watch every bit of it. We were there just a short time after that. And you know what? Brother Demers didn't come home. Wouldn't have blamed him if he had have, but he stayed. Because he said, the Holy Ghost called me here. And the Holy Ghost has caused me to stay. And the Holy Ghost of God had his hand upon his ministry. And I'm simply saying that there are times that the Holy Spirit of God moves in the missionary. And sometimes God will move in ways that are unbeknownst to you and I. I'm reminded of one of our missionaries years ago. He was traveling. He was in a motel. And in the middle of the night... Came Benny was in their bed and the two children was in their, their bed. Somebody kicked the door down and came in with a shotgun, a double barrel shotgun, and held him at gunpoint and said, give me a billfold and everything you've got. 
Benny Noyan, he said, I just had a sense he was getting ready to blow my brains out. He said, before I knew it, I had that shotgun, and I was wrestling with him on the ground. He said, the shotgun went off and blowed a hole through the ceiling. We're wrestling. He said, finally, by the grace of God, I was able to jerk it out of his hand, and the man took off running, and I want you to know, he didn't quit. He didn't quit. He didn't quit. He kept going. You know why? The Holy Ghost of God put a drive in his heart and in his soul. It is the Holy Spirit of God that empowers the missionary and endeavor, every endeavor he has in his life. And the evangelist and the preacher, that's why they can face the winds of opposition and keep on keeping on. The Holy Spirit even restrained him from going certain places. The great apostle Paul ended up in Asia, but God wanted him in Macedonia. And the Holy Ghost of God forbade him to preach the gospel in Asia. And here the great missionary, the apostle Paul, had invested lifetime, resources, and was in Asia. And God said, Paul, I forbid you by the Holy Ghost to preach in Asia. Isn't that something? And that night he heard the Macedonian call, come over to Macedonia and help us. And the Bible said, Paul, assuredly Kevin, that the Lord had called us hitherto for, they endeavored to go and look what God done in Macedonia. We have 2 Corinthians 8, the great faith promise mission text of the Bible and he uses the churches throughout Macedonia as an example. We have the book of Philippians that started in a prison cell in a maximum security unit as Paul preached and gave the gospel to a jailer. He took him home. His family got saved and baptized and become some of the first members of the church at Philippi. And that prison was the foundation of a New Testament church. And then the Holy Spirit engages the sinner. Let me be quick. The Holy Spirit directed Philip to engage Elimus the sorcerer. The Holy Spirit moved in the life of Philip and as he engaged the Ethiopian. The Holy Spirit of God moved and directed Peter as he engaged the Gentiles. And I'll not take the time to go through all of it, but I remember some years ago, one of our men, I mentioned the Harris County Jail down in Texas in the Houston area. We have one of our missionaries that's been there for several years, over 20 years. There was a man that is known by the railroad killer. They didn't know where he came from, where he lived, but he eventually would be caught and they would find out that he was actually living in Mexico and he was slipping illegally across the border. And he was caught up with, and I'll tell you the story momentarily, and he was in a cell block and Brother... Robert had the opportunity to go back and witness to him. And the man said, you don't know who I am, do you? He said, all I know is you're a prisoner, and God's called me to give you the gospel. He said, I'm the railroad killer. He said, you're the who? He said, I'm the railroad killer. He said, you still don't know who I am, are you? do you? And come to find out, this man had slipped across the border, and because of the young people here tonight, I'll not get into all the extensive detail of it, But he said, I would slip across the border. And he said, I would have a vision before I would leave my home. He said, I'd have a vision and I would see the face of the person that I was going to take their life. He said, in my mind, I could see it before I left Mexico. 
He said, I never took a murder weapon with me. Because in my visions and my dreams and stuff that I had, I not only seen the place where they would be, but I'd also see the murder weapon that would be laying close by. For example, they called him the railroad killer because there was a couple walking down the railroad and he said, before I came, I had my mind's vision what they looked like. And he said, there was a piece of metal laying beside the tracks. And he said, when I got there, they looked exactly like they did in my vision. And the piece of metal that I took their life with lay exactly and pinpointed the spot where I had seen it in my vision. And he had gone back and forth several times and several people had been murdered. Now you can say what you will, that was a spirit of, that was a demonic spirit, a doctrine of devils, and no doubt possession. And Brother Bottom had, uh, Robert Bottom, our missionary, had shared the gospel with them on several occasions. They found out about him because a newscast got out in in Mexico. They finally determined that there must be someone there. And when it went out over the newscast, the man's mother realized that it was her son because when all the murders took place, that's when her son was gone for a day or two. And she turned him in. And they count, found him. And Brother Bottom kept sharing the gospel with him. And he'd go back and talk to him and over and over again. And one day he went back and he went back and he said, Preacher, you don't have to say another word. He said, I've been dealing in my heart. He said, I was having visions of my mind, of all this filth and all the devil and the things of the world and the murder and the vice of sin. He said, but you've been sharing with me the Bible. And he said, in my heart and in my mind, it's clear. He said, I see it now. I see it now. I need to get saved and give my life to God. He said, preacher, uh, tell me one more time. uh, Tell me one more time how this Jesus came and died on Calvary for me. Tell me again, preacher. And Brother Bottom took his Bible and led him to the Lord. And it was a year or so later in the state of Texas, they executed him. And Brother Bottom said that he talked to him before Resendaz was executed. And he said to him, he said, preacher, he said, my mind's clear now. He said, I understand my life for theirs. He said, but thank God, I know where I'm going when I die. I'm going to heaven because of Christ. Thank God for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God in missions. I can tell you tonight of Mark Hopkins, a man on death row that I witnessed to moments before he was executed, who died rejecting the gospel and went to hell. I can tell you of a man by the name of Charlie Lopez who committed the last murder of an officer inside our institution that got saved and converted to Christ. Thank God for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God who engages the sinner. Sheila, if you don't mind, if you come to the piano, let me close out. The hallmark of Paul's ministry is marked in the Bible by the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost of God. In summary, we find everything he did was empowered by the Holy Ghost. I want to ask you this question tonight. Is the Holy Ghost speaking to you? Is the Holy Ghost leading you? Is the Holy Ghost empowering you? How long has it been since the Holy Ghost spoke and we listened and we obeyed?
Brother Barnes preached a wonderful message tonight. But you know what it made it wonderful? The Holy Ghost. And you know what to make it more wonderful? It's for you to listen to the Holy Ghost and come tonight and bow before God and give your life to Him. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. I thank you for the moving, the presence, the empowerment of the Holy Ghost of God in missions. Thank you that you speak to lives, you change lives. Our Father, the invitation has gone out already tonight for someone to come and to be saved. We not, know not who, we know not where, but our Father, the Holy Ghost of God knows. Now I pray that you'll speak, help your people to listen, to obey, and help the sinner to come, to come before it's too late. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. I pray you'll move tonight now, for we ask it in Christ's name. Heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. I don't know what the needs are here tonight.